will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this week, we're coming with you with another double dose re- episode release. Uh, but of course, we're sticking for this particular episode with Loki episode three. And as usual, uh, and more consistently than our other co-hosts, <laughs> uh, I'm rejoined by Leslie. <laughs> Leslie, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. You, As you know, we've been having some housework uh going on and now we're almost over the hump of it so (laughs) i will be happy and back at peace when things are normal again yeah when you can get settled back in your space (laughs) yes absolutely uh so as we've kind of been doing with these loki episodes uh you're the one that takes us on the journey and without like (laughs) i'm large and in charge (laughs) and without too much preamble we'll go ahead and jump into it but as always uh Maybe mild spoilers. Uh, If you haven't seen the episode, go check it out. I know I will talk about one probably. It's a mild spoiler. It's one I've addressed with Leslie, but without going into detail, I might reference that. But don't worry, it won't be going into what I found out on my own. So there's another pretty much big spoiler that we'll probably get to at the end. So. If I can even think of it, <laughs> Yo, I'll I'll get there. All right, so Leslie, take it over. Let, let's 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 get rolling. Cool. Well, of course, I I figure we're not gonna keep uh, talking about the previously on. So the opener for this one, I was thrown off for the first few minutes because, I, I mean, until they established that she is in C20's mind. When we're watching um, Sylvie, which is, you know, of course, that happens later in the episode. We're just going to call her Sylvie for ease of use. 
Um, but that is the Fem Loki. If you haven't watched the episode, stop right now and go watch it. Um, <laughs> but it's Sylvie and C20 talking in some sort of restaurant having margaritas. And I was confused at first because I thought, because she's a variant, what, is this somebody that she knows that looks like C20? And she, that's why she took C20. And I, I was like having all these questions in my mind. And then, you know, we realized, oh, this is how she's interrogating her. Yeah, I had the uh, I had the same like impression. Because you're, you're like you're watching us, and first off, since you're seeing C20 like outside of her uniform, she's not like a hundred percent recognizable. But you kind of like figure it out super quick yeah. that that's who it is. And then you know, so you go through that kind of through your mind: is this the alternate timeline? Like when is this taking place? And, uh, but they quickly like bring you back to it and, and let you know what's actually going on. Yeah, yeah, and I think it also gives a lot more context. So the previous episode when she was, you know, freaking out and saying it was real, it was real. Like, this is something that she's seeing in her mind. And that's what she meant by. I think I know what you mean by spoiler now. (laughs) 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 Just popped my head there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So when she's when she's saying that, you know, when we saw last episode, we're like, well, what was real? And this is kind of giving a lot more context to that, because this is what was taking place. Um, right before Loki and Mobius and, and all of them um, appeared in, in Alabama, Sylvie was mentally interrogating her through enchantment. Right. So it was it was interesting. And I think, like you said uh, earlier this week, they're kind of like Loki's kind of about deflection and deception and stuff, and they're like really utilizing that in the show because I had that same reaction. You had that same reaction of I probably lots of other people, too. Is is this a memory? Is this from Sylvie's life? Who is this? You know, like that whole deception deflect. Could it be? Could it not be? And then they I mean, they do go ahead and give us an answer for that. But they do use that a lot. Absolutely. Uh, yes. And th- and that's uh, kind of in reference to kind of uh, what I know about Sylvie um, and. <laughs> Without going into like great detail, um, and so mild spoiler, skip to, like to the next like thirty, forty seconds from from now. Um, she's not sim- She's not a Loki variant. At least at this moment, with what I know, I do not believe her to be a Loki variant. Especially okay. when we've had some showrunners out there saying that there's more to her. And if that is the case, that whole essence of uh, deception and deflection. It, they're really utilizing that for the writing and the layout of the, of the show. And so the criticisms I had last week about how they introduced her and how it felt kind of lackluster, uh, it was expected with all the kind of uh, press stuff that they were doing beforehand. But if it turns out this way, it's actually very clever with what they've done. Ah, so I'm hearing tones of my theory was correct. Depends. Depends. <laughs> we'll reserve judgment. <laughs> Until we actually see the full answer. Yes, absolutely. Because then it could still be complete shite. Right. <laughs> we never know. Right. So, you know, we see all that. We get the Sylvie walks through the door and then Loki follows her. And she goes back to the TVA, which that makes a little more sense to me now with the charges that she set the charges on the timeline. So that the TVA and all the Minutemen would be running out to fix all of that and not be there wouldn't be so many people there in the TVA. Right. Like to protect the timekeepers or whatever, because I thought, why didn't she just bomb the TVA? But I guess this is her plan. Get everybody out. 
so she can go in and she's looking for the timekeepers. And I thought those doors looked exactly like Ravana's office doors, but we know that they're not because Ravana's like coming with her own prune stick, like from her own office. Right. So I guess those are I like um, doors you get when you're a high level at the TVA. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know because uh, like I, I didn't really pay attention too closely to detail there. Um, but this also might be my my only real major complaint with the episode is um, and I, it might be technically jumping ahead, but it's not considering that this is about the only time uh, we're addressing it. And I didn't even have the the thought process you had there with that was a stint to get all of the agents out of there uh, to make it easier for her to infiltrate the TVA. But my my major kind of what the heck or why didn't we touch base on this is the impact of what those reset charges are doing, because yeah. uh, this is about the only extent to that even being remotely addressed in this episode. So maybe it's not as big as we thought it was um, at the end of last week, or we're going to see what happens next week. Because I think episode, we're going to see what happens next week. Right. And this episode and I, and it, rightfully so. So this isn't a criticism of the episode, but this episode really focuses on Loki and Sylvie the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I think it was probably smart, even though I miss Owen in this episode. <laughs> uh, it was very smart to focus on these two interacting together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen is next. I mean, if they don't do it next episode, that would be weird to me. Yeah. That you let it go that long. But this episode and just what we got and you've watched the episode and listeners, you've watched the episode, you know, it it focuses all on them. So it it makes sense. There's no jumping back and forth that we're just seeing everything that happens from their perspective. Okay, so I thought we got some pretty good fight sequences. I mean, what did you think? I mean, I'm not like a professional, you know, Uh, I mean, I I, as much as I know about fight choreography, I took like only one stage class of, of Which choreography. Which is more than I've got. I've um, got the, the layperson. That looked cool. <laughs> it, it actually is. I, I thought it was uh, it was very accurate in how um, someone who's not necessarily uh, trained in combat would be moving and interacting because it, it does, if I'm remembering correctly, like she does have kind of a few missteps. She relies mm-hmm. more on the on the prune stick uh, than just like brute force or deception. Whereas like Loki, you know, when he's ever in battle, he he can do his illusions and think kind of three steps ahead uh, and is usually there to kind of stab you behind the back again to <laughs> like what Mobius said in the prior episode. Uh, and that was also an I liked uh, kind of even though it's a very minor and it's probably not important to anyone, just even that throwback to uh, what was it B-15 or whatever. She put his knives in her locker. Yeah. And so when they when he makes it through, like he realizes he's in the locker room and right at her locker and is like, great, I got my knives yeah. and I've got, you know, what I need to do. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I did enjoy the fight choreography. It, it felt realistic and uh, it felt like, you know, maybe what not to sound like sexist or anything, but like a, a woman going up against men in this type of situation. Uh, it felt it felt real. Yeah, there there is one thing that about superhero movies in general, when they're casting 
um, the females and particularly when we get to Captain Marvel is where it really kind of comes into play for me personally is that when I look at Brie Larson, I don't believe any of her fight choreography. It doesn't appear real. It doesn't feel real to me that she's that powerful. Yeah. You know, when I look at her, that's just not who like because Captain Marvel is supposed to be like basically the Superman of the Marvel Universe. And when she's on screen, I don't feel it. I don't believe it. So I do agree with you that this looked good. I feel like it all like made sense as far as, you know, the woman versus a man sort of a thing and and how she fights untrained looking or, you know, self-taught basically. Right, right. Versus how Loki goes about it. Right. Which is because there's that they do have that two different kind of as we discover throughout the episode, they don't have the same power sets. Right. So that, and that's interesting, too. I like that it's not just like here's the Loki and they all have the same powers and here's the Loki and he has all the same powers. And, you know, right. it's interesting. Shake it up a little bit. Spice the life. <laughs> <laughs> and who else would be, uh, you know, spicier than Loki? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so I feel like you're just kind of like broadly jumping. But um, like I said to you before we started recording, once once, uh, you know, Ravana comes up to the door and Loki grabs the time, the temp pad and, um, takes them to Lamentis one. I, was that the moon or was that the planet? That's the planet. Cause That's the moon the is what's coming okay. to crash into them. Once we get to there. And I don't mean this at all in a bad way. For me, this is like a fan fiction, like a good <laughs> fan fiction. It's like your main character that we've all known and the new OC that we've just been introduced to Sylvie and they're hanging, they're in this situation. They got to get from point A to point B and we just follow them the whole time. And, and, you know, antics ensue or whatever, like that's to me is the whole rest of the episode. And I loved it. Yeah. Um, Cause again, kind of like talking about what we were talking about a little bit before recording, whereas like, there's not really much else to say about this episode because it is so kind of focused and, uh, not paint by numbers in the sense like it's predictable, but it's just each event kind of falls into place as you would expect it to. Exactly. Um, you've got Loki kind of trying to figure out who she is. Uh-huh. She doesn't like calling herself a Loki, which is where Sylvie comes from. Um, the one thing, one question, if I were Loki, I would be asking, um, cause I, I, kind of made you aware of this, I I think, or you you didn't catch it at first. And I certainly didn't in the prior episode, but it was when they released her character poster, her headband has one broken horn. And this, in my theory that I won't go into, goes Mm -hmm. into line to what I'm thinking is, is, is in her background and what connection she has to a Loki. Um, But yeah, it's, because I, I also really like uh, jumping a little bit ahead, but it's still in line here because, you know, they're they're at Lamentus one. It's a, mm. an apocalypse because that's the only place they can hide. Yeah. Um, in her approach to things where she just wants to go kind of in brute force. Yeah. And he's like diplomacy. And one side note here, I really love that this planet design uh, or look oh, feels beautiful. like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it, it feels like it really fits into what we've seen of the universe through uh, Peter's eyes. That mm-hmm. I, I was really impressed that it felt like this is within the MCU. Yeah. Um, but then they come across the, the, you know, they're trying to figure out where they need to go to recharge the temp pad, and um, 
you know, she kicks open the door and the woman immediately shoots her. (laughs) But what I really like about this, because Loki, you know, it's his ego and his ego has it, you know, only I can do it right. He pulls his little trick and immediately gets like shot too. (laughs) And so I really like that it wasn't just a a one-upmanship, like I'm I am better than you, but yeah. it's their you know my approach always works. No, my approach always works, and both of their approaches don't work. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Because like you said, it is a point A to point B. It's you know we've got to yell and scream at each other a little bit. I'm gonna kill you. No, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> like you know, and then we've well, we've got to figure out how to recharge the temp pad. Now where do we do that? And they run into her, and of course she's the one who points them to the ark. And then they've got to get on the train, and then they got to get to the ark. Like it very much is like a fan fictiony, you know, point A to point B, like you said. But like I really liked it. It was yeah. It, was, it wasn't just like fan service. Well, it wasn't trying to. Um, like introduce new concepts. It wasn't trying yeah. to uh, pontificate. It wasn't trying to preach or anything. It just was, like you said, let's get these two characters together. Let's have them interact. Uh, do enough, uh, you know, exposition. It, it never felt boring. I like. I didn't feel like it was dragging at all. Uh, in fact, by the time we got to the end of the episode, I was like, "Wait, it's over." I know like, that's that, exactly that's, how I felt. That's how invested I was in it, and I think that's why it uh, it it succeeds, even without like Owen Wilson and knowing what the heck else is going on. Even though I do have a little bit of a complaint that we don't know what's happening in the greater timeline. But I really enjoyed the time we took with these characters and them, you know, spending time together. Yeah. So, I mean, again, just kind of broad strokes. I do. I think the landscapes in this, like you were commenting on, are absolutely beautiful. I like that purplish green (laughs) colorscape. I think it's gorgeous. And, of course, they, they do their little point A to point B And they get on the train. And, of course, like you said, we see that their two strategies together worked to get them on the train. You know, he was doing the guile and she did the enchantment and that got them on the train when they worked together. And then they had, um, you know, just like interesting conversations sitting there on the train of, you know, your mom. Tell me about her. And we get some interesting perspective from Loki on on his mom. And I think that was like genuine emotion. Yes. You know, from him and. It's I like it because it's just one of those like I like uh, for me personally, when I'm watching stuff, I usually tend to really gravitate more towards some of the ancillary characters of things because there's still blanks to be filled in. I'm just one of those people that like I like I Star Trek is a good example for me. Next generation. I love Captain Picard, but my favorite character is Geordi, you know. There we know just enough about him and just enough not about him. Like there's enough for me to kind of create stories and fill in myself. Right. And I just like getting like just a little bit of a story to just kind of create and fill in, you know, that relationship of Frigga and Loki together, especially I like the fireworks. That was really cute. Yeah. That, that was, that was also a very, very impressively done scene. Uh, Cause it, it doesn't, it doesn't look like obviously it's CGI, but it doesn't really look out of place. Like it, it looks like he's casting the fireworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also what I really like about this conversation is because Loki is, is, you know, under the assumption that this is another version of himself. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to kind of know where they differ. And I love it. Like when he talks about being adopted and, you know, it's, it is, she's like, Oh yeah, they told me right away. 
wait, they didn't tell you, you know, like type of thing. And, and then, you know, having to find out. And then also, again, really hitting home that relationship with Frigga. Because I, I think that that was one of the shortcomings with Thor Dark World. Uh, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that when we get to it in our MCU review. But was like they never fully developed that relationship between those two characters uh, they did a little bit, but like the impact of her her death in Thor Dark World didn't ever like really make sense why Loki would care as much, um, even yeah, though we get have given him a little more time. Yeah, we, we get some like sequences in there where, you know, he creates her her image and stuff like that, but no real like one on one interactions. But this scene here alone does that work where it shows how he truly felt about her. And how she really, despite not being his mother, was his mother. Right, right. So she it, was definitely his mom. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and and that's what's so what works so great with some of these MCU shows and some of the MCU mo- movies are these character moments where they can really focus and dive in deep. Uh, it's what we particularly, I think, we liked about WandaVision was it was really exploring Wanda's character. Yeah. that we hadn't gotten the films and it we didn't maybe need it as much with uh with Sam and Bucky because they're kind of mainstays uh but we did get some moments there that we didn't see from them outside the mainline MCU that gives them more kind of it, it fleshes them out more and mm-hmm. i really like the job uh that this is doing with Loki and and working on that yeah i agree i loved all of it I think, yeah, like you said, just like a little bit more screen time between him and Frigga and either Thor or Thor the Dark World before she dies would have helped yeah. with that connection. Because what well, as you'll see when we, uh, or as you'll hear when we get to Thor and you listen to that episode, I do feel like Frigga is a little, a little bit too quick to be like, oh, Thor, when he comes back and stuff, like a little bit too much just because... I mean, parents, you got to love all your kids equally or whatever, right? But you can like them at different levels, and you might right. like one child more than the other. And I think that as much as she loves Thor, and I don't think she's a bad mother, but I do think that she probably likes Loki better than Thor at, in the Thor movie. Right. Well, and and I would I would even kind of – and we'll, we can get into that further uh, when we get to our, our Thor episode uh, – the Thor and Odin's relationship is is the strong relationship, whereas Frigga and Loki are like, you know, yeah. they, they more identify with those parent mm-hmm. than, than necessarily both or the other. Right. Like, even though we see like Thor loves his mother, obviously, mm-hmm. and we can understand the gravitas of her death in Thor Dark World for him. But, uh, you know, now we're seeing it, seeing it through this light and understanding more that the, actually the mother-son relationship was really focused between Frigga and Loki. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So without getting too far into Thor, because that's the hard <laughs> part when you talk about Loki and we're going to do Thor next, it's like, oh, we want to do both at the same time. Right. That's what my mind is doing. But um, Loki sings a song on the train, and I went ahead and looked it up because I thought it was Norwegian, and somebody else actually did the translating work um, on Screen Rant, and I was going to read from their article, unless yeah. we like your copyright issues. This is from Screen <laughs> Rant; it's not mine. Um, but they did the the looking up the investigation. That um, let me see if I scroll down here. 
I do not know how to pronounce anything in Norwegian, so I really don't want to butcher this, but it how gives the you. song title. <laughs> and uh, the the musician and the author, like, they created this specifically for the show. So they wrote it for the show. They do have on here, it's going to be released on the show's soundtrack, which I looked up because I immediately thought, oh, well, is that on iTunes? So I can go buy this. <laughs> um, the music for the first three episodes should be released on July 2nd. Okay. So if you want, I'm hoping the song will be part of that release, but it is in Norwegian and it is Tom singing it, which he, he played a country singer in some movie. Was it Hank Williams or he I played a country singer and sang, but the, uh, the part where he sings the verse is in storm blackened mountains. I wander alone across glaciers. I travel forth. In the apple orchard, the fair maiden stands and sings, when will you come home? And then the chorus, when she sings, she sings, come home. And they do have in here that there's actually, I feel like, three or four more verses, but obviously not in the show. Right. But I just thought, well, that was really interesting, and it's nice to know um, what he's singing. And I thought it was beautifully sung by Tom. <laughs> well, I will say my my favorite bit about this particular uh, sequence is the return of another. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throw, throwing his glass down and asking for, for another drink. But <laughs> I also really liked the fact that... Um, the the crew or or the the people on the on the train took part in in the in the fun you know like yeah I, like he's got everybody into it yeah you know she wakes up from her nap and he's there frolicking and having fun being he, he's very full not yes. drunk full, <laughs> full. <laughs> um but she you know being aware of her surroundings noticed obviously that the the one guy left and yeah. tries to get his attention and. Uh, hilarity ensues, especially when he he tries to, uh, uh, you know, pull up their their tickets and he pulls out fireworks. Fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> That's this is another spot too where to me I'm like it's kind of like fan fiction like you got the serious problem going on the characters do something fun or funny together you know hilar- like you said hilarity ensues and then we kind of get back on track with you know, obviously they don't have tickets and then there's a fight and they get yeeted out the window <laughs> <laughs> and literally off the track. Then. <laughs> right. It's literally all the way out. Um, it's interesting to me that, that, uh, the Tim pad breaks when he falls because I was kind of under the impression that he was hiding. Um, um, when he does that magic, it's like in a different dimension, kind of like green lantern and the lantern charge, yeah. you know, is yeah, you in a pocket like dimension. A, yeah. Absolutely. That's what I would have thought, too. But was it like in his pocket or something? That's what I wondered. Like, it's in his jacket. Like, when he does that, it just magically, it's like, um, you know, when the magician's like, here's your card, you know, in the card, but it's still on him. But, like, just you didn't see it. Right. You know, with the little flourish of green magic, I guess. I don't know. I, I still thought pocket dimension. That's what I thought was happening. So the fact that it broke, I'm like, oh, well, that's something I didn't realize about his magical powers. Well, and, and of course, it you know it creates the the further problem because that's how they were going to get off this planet that was that's uh, pretty much doomed, and uh, that's where he kind of comes up with his grand plan of, well, we can somehow avert the apocalypse and create you know I, either to get the TVA there to get them out or to just purely survive. Yeah, I think that was just purely survival at oh, that yeah. moment. That was just like. Well, how, you know, we're survivors. How do we survive this? 
we've never been on the Ark before when it tried to take off, so let's try and get there. <laughs> so they pretty much, they show up at the town, and the town's like cyberpunk, super oh, dystopian yes. looking, and it's basically exactly what you expect. It's a fight through panicking people to try and get to the Ark, and of course, it um, it explodes, uh, or gets hit by a big meteor or whatever, and so they don't make it off. I like that the that disappointment of like, you know, that settling that he just is standing there and she's just like, you know, F it and starts crap, walking off. <laughs> yeah. Like crap. And starts just walking right off. But, um, I did skip over the, the, um, the spoiler piece, but I did that oh, on yeah. purpose just to pretty much. That's where the episode ends when they get through the city. And, right. um, and, and that's where it stops. I assume that we're going to get what was happening with the TVA and they'll probably maybe hopefully work out. That's where they went and, and we'll get a Owen showing up and saving the day. Well, he <laughs> is the one who does them. know that that's where they could hide. It's just right. determining where, where which apocalypse they, they decided to go to. Yeah. I, I hope that that's what we get. So the, the spoiler and like a big plot piece that uh, if you don't want to hear, you should just cut out now is the fact that everybody at the TVA is a variant just like them. Because when Loki and Sylvia are talking and she explains to him how her enchantment works, she explains that she has to sometimes go into their memories and that that place that C-20 was, was a, a real place. And she was just a regular person on earth. And that was a memory from her. Like she didn't have to create that herself. Yes, and um, I think that this also leads into maybe why she was saying it was real. It was yeah. real. That maybe because uh, you, I think you made a joke, but you might be onto something about this. <laughs> um, that those memories bleed through, and they might bleed through in the form of dreams. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you oh. know, she might question whether or not, you know, that, oh, that was just a dream, like that never really happened or anything. But now, having been enchanted by uh, Sylvie, she knows it was it was real. It was a real yeah. experience. So Owen's fascination. Yeah, I was going to say, is that the joke you were talking about? <laughs> yes. With water skis, might be he, maybe he made them, maybe he owned one, but yeah. it could be a, a thing from his former life. Right. And I said, if if this show doesn't end with like us finding out he was some sort of water guy, surfer dude, you know, <laughs> maybe a seller of water, jet skis, water skis or whatever, then what's the point of the show? <laughs> or, or that he is just like Owen Wilson, you know, yeah. and it's, it's just been a, a time variant of Owen Wilson altogether. But right. this this also now creates a new plot point um, and, and one that uh, maybe not completely new, but. One that they were kind of exploring within the uh, the prior episode when they're having that kind of faith question yeah. and and uh, Mobius saying, well, you know, they created us and, you know, that's all that's all we need to know. And uh, Loki questioning that. And here um, we get, you know, the the understanding that these were actual people that were just either for some reason or other abducted by the timekeepers or the TVA. And now there's a more nefarious purpose or, or, or a nefarious aspect to the timekeepers. 
Yeah. Uh, and maybe they're not so benevolent and uh, kind and whatever. Yeah, and like I said to you after I'd watched the episode, it's it kind of gives a layer of, you know, they're using this propaganda, like when Loki's watching the Miss Minutes stuff, and they all believe that they were created by the timekeepers, and that kind of gives, I, I don't know, just another point to the timekeepers that they cannot create life. They are not that powerful right. of themselves. So I feel like it's something else is going on because how does no one's powers work in the TVA space? I'm thinking it's a space that's like outside of space time itself. Which would make and sense. And that's, yeah, and that's why nothing, um, nobody's powers or anything or the Infinity Stones yeah. work there. Which then, fine, guys, you can finally stop complaining <laughs> about them like not having importance because if yeah, they're outside that, of time and space, they can't function. Right. That's one of those things to me that's like, I don't understand why that's such a big deal because my interpretation of the TVA from episode one is that they're outside of space time anyway. And the Infinity Stones are part of that universe. So, like, why? Why does that make them not important if they can't work in this particular space? Like, that doesn't make sense to me at all. Right. But, you know, who, oh, oh well. But I do think it's a good, like, power level establishing thing that TVA timekeepers aren't, like, omnipotent, omniscient, completely all-powerful. They had to take these people. These are probably the people from that previous multiverse war, you know, when they solidified everything into, like, one timeline these are the people probably from the other timelines and that's how they created the tva which just makes me want to get to uh dr strange uh even more uh especially uh especially if and i wouldn't recommend going to search this out uh if you don't want anything spoiled to you but i i think i saw a leaked trailer for the new spider-man and oh if if that's real which i mean it looked pretty darn real uh, it's going to be very interesting, but <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, if we could get some kind of um, Spider-Man, Spider-Verse movie, that would be amazing. Oh, it'd be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, the so obviously, because we've kind of reached the end of, of the episode of itself, and this might mm-hmm. end up being a shorter review on it because... We had a lot of speculation and a lot of, you know, questions. And those were very kind of I don't want to say like they're not their story. They're story heavy. But like this was kind of story light, but in the way it needed to be. Yeah, Um, it didn't need to. It it introduced what concepts we needed to be introduced to go into the back end uh, Mm -hmm. of the last three episodes. Um, it kind of redeemed what I thought was a very lackluster introduction to Sylvie. Uh, mm-hmm. I really liked the chemistry between Sophia and Tom uh, that like I wanted to see more on screen time with them. Uh, so I, I really did appreciate this episode. Now, there's there's one thing that I don't want in any of my like superhero shows, superhero comic books or anything like that, because I read a review on 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 this episode and it was a very generally good review, but they are upset that the show is not focusing on characters' sexualities and who they're sleeping with or who they're not sleeping with. And I don't need that. 
like, yes, you've got Mary Jane and Peter Parker. Yes, you've got Lois Lane and Clark Kent and whatever. I get that. And I get that those are relatively normative relationships and everything. But like I'm not watching those or reading those comic book shows uh, or comic books purely for the sexual relationships that these characters have. Yeah, like this isn't a romance show. This isn't a soap opera show. That's I feel like the main difference is like if if this continues on, like, I don't know. And I don't I don't know why I would see this continue on for like five or six seasons or whatever. Like there might come a point when now Sylvie has you know, a person, you know, whether whatever kind of relationship it is that you develop into. But when you're just like season one and this is supposed to be I, what I feel like they're doing is fleshing out things like in between the ribs as we go between the mm-hmm. movies, like that the primary focus of shows like this is not just romance and sex. At least it's not, you know, it hasn't been in the past. I hope it's not in the future because that's one of those, like, I'm not interested in that. And that's one of the things, like, when you're writing, I know that you're, you're supposed to have, like, a romance in there. And I'm just like, I could care freaking less. A lot of shows, I probably sound like I'm some sort of, like, pearl clutcher. But there's, <laughs> like, a lot of shows nowadays that have so much, to me, very needless and gratuitous sex and relationship crap in them that they don't need in order to make the story interesting. I I feel like when it's very much like Game of Thrones is a perfect example when there's so much like nudity and sex and whatever that I think about like in the 60s and you've got um, the original Star Trek and you have a scene where it's like it's uh, Shatner and whatever alien princess of the day and it cuts to the next scene and he's like putting his boots back on. Every intelligent person in the audience knows they just had sex. We didn't have to watch the whole scene and have it all take place. You know, it's like, okay, they had sex. We're moving on to the next interesting plot point. Like, I feel like when it's just in your face, whether it's the sex aspect or the violence, the gore, which is like, like, it's hard for me sometimes to watch the boys because of the gore level, the practical effect. Like, when it's just so hitting that one note again and again and again. It's so boring. It's so dull. It's so uninteresting. And I wouldn't want the show to just be about that. Can well, they leave it in as it goes? Yeah. But if it goes on that long, you know, you were uh, you were you made the you cut me off. Not you didn't <laughs> you didn't physically cut me off or anything like that. But I was going to make the point and you made it. You already made it because uh, yeah. I, I just had uh, watched the the original first James Bond. And, you know, everyone always wants to talk about how Sean Connery is a slut in the movies and everything. <laughs> but with like the, the women he sleeps with in that first film, it's the same thing. They're, they're kissing in bed. And then, uh, you know, you get the implication of what's going to happen. And then it cuts to he's walking out the door, yeah. you know, it, like you didn't get into the physical stuff, uh, you know, or under the sheets or anything like that. And when when you have to make what a character's sexuality or sexual preferences. Important or or a point or a message within the show because uh, I can I can already hear people kind of clamoring and, and yelling at you. Well, WandaVision's about Wanda and Vision's relationship. Yes, but th- there there's a different dynamic to that. And it's it's actually character building and important to the development of Wanda. And it's not purely just a a, a sexual thing or anything like that. But um, well, think, when you 
sorry. Go ahead. Just, no, you're fine. A, there's a difference between exploring their relationship that was already established on screen. Yeah. And this being a show that, like I said, I th- I feel like the purpose is to f- like for fleshing out in between different movies that they can, she can have a relationship, whatever kind of relationship, sexuality that can happen and it can be built throughout the show. But this isn't a show that is about sexuality and identity and things like, like, it's not about, I'm trying to, I don't even. Well, it doesn't need to be a defining characteristic. Right. Like some of the shows that you watch, like that's the defining point of the show is that all the different characters and their different relationships and struggling with figuring out what's their identity and what their sexual identity is. And that's the whole point of those shows. Right. And that's not what this is about. So it can be, you know, uh, some salt on the potatoes or whatever, but it's not the potatoes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, it just it does not need to become the central focus. Right. It doesn't need to be a whole plot point for the episode or anything like that. Uh, so because like I know immediately, I think after I saw that review, like then then the director of of the show and or the showrunner came out and said, well, Loki is bisexual. And it's like, I don't care. Like if he, if if Tom was on screen as Loki and ran across somebody and was just you know, furiously making out with them or whatever, it'd be like, okay, that's kind of odd, but whatever. Like that to me, and I get how it can be important to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm more interested in the grander story, how this impacts the MCU, how it's moving the MCU forward, caring about, you know, who Tony sleeps with or who Hulk sleeps with. uh, (laughs) There's so to kind of like drive, my point, hopefully the, the point I'm trying to make is if you've ever seen Mallrats, there is a character in the movie named Brody and Brody is a comic book guy, just complete comic book nerd. Everything is hero is Stanley. So here we've got it all tied in. In fact, Mallrats is the script that Stanley is reading on the train in Captain Marvel because mm-hmm. uh, he has a role in the film. And uh, Brody is obsessed about superhero genitalia like when the thing is all rock is is his genitalia all (laughs) rock and like all of this he's all focused about the the reproductive organs of superheroes and he ends up running into stan lee uh and there's a purpose for why he runs into Stanley because it's trying to get him back with his girlfriend and everything like that but he doesn't know that that's the point of the of the conversation and all he wants to do is ask Stanley was the is the is the things thing made out of rock and you know is is Hulk like th- this and and he's just like no like don't you're you're missing the point to what I'm talking about and yeah then when he runs, uh, when Stan, you know, leaves him, Stan runs into the uh, the Brody's best friend and he just goes. He really needs some help. You know, he's he is too fascinated on reproductive organs of comic book characters. And so I almost feel like the character of Brody has somehow multiplied and infiltrated the world where that's all that people not all people, but certain people, that's all they care about are fictional characters and who they have their who they have sex with and how they have sex with them, uh, what I, you know, preference they have and everything. When 
it, that has really nothing to do with it. If you want to have the relationships mean something, then it's got to mean something in the story itself. And it's, so it's got to be a natural development for the story. Right. And with Loki, this is not unlike WandaVision, where you could focus on that a little bit in WandaVision, because that's all about grief, love, uh, you know, overcoming that grief and, and everything like that. Loki is about this particular Loki's place within the universe and a grander scale story. It's not about who is Loki pining for? Who does he love? Cause really Loki only loves himself. Right. Amir. You know? <laughs> uh, so he, he doesn't care necessarily for anyone outside of himself. That's kind of one of the endearing things about him a little bit um, is that kind of narcissistic, um, ego he has so i don't need all of a sudden episode four is just all about who he's sleeping with you know it just doesn't need to be a focus of the show i think it's just one of those things that like how much time you've got to think about the this is six episodes they're an hour ish a piece probably i mean this one was only 42 45 something like that but uh, when you're writing a good story how much time you have in each episode to tell that story how much time you want diverted to their relationships, which like maybe in next episode, we'll see that like Sylvie has some kind of relationship. We don't know, but how much time do you want divided and dedicated to that, to move and moving the story along? You know, that's, that's my question because a lot of times when people are talking about, they could add this scene or that scene. A lot of that stuff for me is like, that's what fan fiction's for. Right. Like whether it's the, junk food fan fiction, you know, that's crap or whatever. You just doodle just because it came to your head. Or if it's like really good, legitimate, this could like, I would like to see this on screen, you know, the whole spectrum, but there's a lot of space. There's a lot of space for that. And you've got to think about what they can put on screen to tell the story they're trying to do and how, where this story lives within the greater MCU and where we're going and how much time, you know, you might think, oh, well, this isn't going to take up that much time. But that five minutes might have been five minutes that would have made sense to have something else move the story along that you didn't need just for a scene of like her kissing somebody or something. Right. And, and to even to give some credit to, the, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, even though we we had some huge problems with <laughs> that show. I liked what it did with Bucky and uh, Sarah was is, is, uh, Sam's sister's name or, or the whatever. Flirting, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the flirting without having it be overt and like all the, you know, it, there was no him waking up in bed with her or anything like that. Yeah. That did enough to be like, ah, like I, I liked it. It was cute. It was funny with, especially with Sam's reactions, but right. it didn't dominate the story. But mm-hmm. it did enough what I I needed it to do. Yes, or wanted like, it to do. If, if they had like a one minute scene like that for Loki or for Sylvie, that'd be perfect. Right. That's the kind of development you need in order for it to grow. And then, like I said, if this goes on how many ever seasons and you grow a story along, because when I remember back in, I think it was like Once Upon a Time was the show that I was watching, and there was a big thing. I don't remember quite the year about having more different, um, not just all hetero relationships in the show. And they took a character 
immediately switched her to be a lesbian with nothing whatsoever in her backstory that would have made any sense to this character that we'd already known for like four or five seasons. And then immediately, not even uh, like exploring her identity, anything. She was just immediately the very next episode, she was a lesbian and in a lesbian relationship. And that's the kind of like, is that what you want? Is that what you want? Right. Because well, to and- me, it have been better for the past four or five seasons to have developed her up and have into a relationship you want a good story you don't just want i'm going to check off this box i'm going to slap this on this character and here you go yeah uh, one one show even though it, it's also kind of a, a difficulty to watch because it, it it panders too much to the identity politics was uh supergirl i thought that they even though it was a little ham-fisted at least they did it within like the second season of the show with alex uh, because like they didn't well, and really, they, they did it as a struggle. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because like, it wasn't figuring it out. Cause like she, we never got a whole lot of character development for Alex in season one in of itself. And season right. two ended up focusing a little bit more on her. And mm-hmm. when it came to like male relationships, she had, it was with only with uh, Maxwell Lord and it was, you know, purely more just get information. So we didn't have like this be- built up history of her just always dating men and being, mm-hmm. you know, straight, straight, straight. Uh, so even though it was like, yeah, I felt a little ham fisted. It was a, an easier transition because they, like you said, they approached it as a struggle. It was she had that struggle with self identity and and uh, you know being uh, open to herself with how who how she truly felt, and then developed it into a very good and complicated relationship with Maggie Sawyer mm-hmm. um, that really showed the the difficulty. That's how you, if you want to do that within within your show, that's how you need to approach right. it. That's the difference when you write with good writing, good storytelling, and then just checking off boxes. Right. For the heck of it. Um, but that 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 was our soapbox. Because <laughs> um, I, I saw that. Soapbox. Well, yeah. Well, you know, if they if you're listeners to the podcast, they know I like to go off on rants. Um, <laughs> but it was just one thing that I I read in a review, and I felt like. Okay, that's a personal complaint rather than a complaint with the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Like when when you need to approach a review, you've got to approach it from the information that is presented before you. You've got to take out what you would like to see the characters do or what you how you would like to see who they end up with. You've got to evaluate the episode for the episode itself and the story it's telling. Not interject your personal feelings and personal beliefs into it. Like we had all different theories and thoughts on, on Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we were ultimately disappointed with it. But when when it did things right, we we praised it. And when it did things wrong, we criticized it. But none of it – and even when it got to points where, like, I believe I even said, like, I don't want to get political, but here's what I disagree with it politically. And But I wasn't allowing that to necessarily affect my score because it was the story that impacted it, not necessarily just my personal political beliefs. Right. So I don't think that that fits in a review of this show or of this episode. Um, but without any more grandstanding or, or pontificating, uh, let's get into our score. Yeah, so for this one, I feel like I'm just going to go with a four. Because I enjoyed it. I don't feel like it was, like, super outstanding or anything. I feel like 
again, like I said, it was just kind of like a nice little do-to-do fan fiction, like getting all the good things that we need. The landscapes was beautiful. I like Tom singing. I'm going to buy that song when it comes out, (laughs) (laughs) when it gets released. Um, I feel like it was just a solid episode, but nothing that I'm like shocked about. I feel like the biggest shocker piece would be the TVA. Yeah. And it wasn't like huge. It was just like tucked in there at the end. And I'm excited for next episode. All right. I'm going to go a little bit higher on you. I'm going to go with a four and a half. Um, <laughs> I I did just thoroughly enjoy the episode, uh, especially considering the kind of reaction I had at the end of episode two. And I was really kind of just disappointed in the reveal. Like, it, you know, you saw it coming. All the, you know, press and stuff just kind of ruined it. And I just just didn't feel like it was that great. But with this episode, I really enjoyed her character. I enjoyed her and Tom's uh, interactions together. Uh, They're butting heads, but also working together. Uh, It was very just, you know, it it just didn't try to waste time. It, It wasn't like it. You know, one of our complaints, I think, about some of the random episode uh, time runs, and and that's kind of more on Mandalorian than it is on the MCU shows, was, uh, you know, sometimes they felt like they were fine being out of 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then other times it felt like, well, why did you make that one only 30 minutes when you could have added this here? And then that would have, you know, made, made it flow a little bit better or something like that. I think our biggest uh, example of that was episode three into four of season two. Yeah. Felt like it could have just been spliced together uh, and made for a better episode. But what I can say with Loki, it's utilized for its first three episodes. Their run times very well. Mm -hmm. And it knew by running this one a little bit shorter, but on that ending, it has you really hooked in for episode four. Yeah. What are they going to (laughs) do? So I have to give this one really high marks because of it kind of turning me around on the character of Sylvie, especially, you know, and I wouldn't recommend this, but if you did some searching, you could find out what I know. Um, And I know that's what you don't, you're trying to avoid. Right. I'm trying Uh, to not do it. I'm trying to be like clean as possible. Clean. But it was, it was like something I had heard and I was like, I know that. And that's so I did my search and that's what confirmed it for me. Uh, and, and believe it or not, you've said it this episode like several times and you just don't know it. So <laughs> that's that's what's great about it for me is like, ah, ah. And I'm sure when you know and you if you go back and you will listen to this podcast episode, you'll be like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> Look how smart I am. No, <laughs> well, I mean. You are smart, so don't don't make me don't make this sound like I'm knocking on your intelligence. But, uh, <laughs> it, you know, the character says it herself, too. So it, it's once you it's it's like, um, you know, it's like those kind of mystery shows. Like when you watch it the first time, you completely miss it. And then once the reveals there, you're like, the signs were there all along oh, and then you yeah. see them clearly. So, yeah. yeah, I really I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm definitely enjoying it more than Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hey, maybe maybe they'll prove us wrong when Captain America four comes out and everything in Falcon and Winter Soldier will make sense. But uh, that's, I think, going to do it for this episode. But don't worry, because we'll have another episode coming out should drop on Wednesday. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, as we get into our closing uh, preamble here or whatever it's called, um, we'll have actually three episodes 
release in one week. Because oh. we'll have this releasing on Monday. Mm-hmm. We'll have Thor coming out on Wednesday. And if you can figure out what special day is Sunday, you're going to get a special episode on Sunday. <laughs> um, so it should be very, very evident for people if they can look at a calendar uh, what we might have a little bit in store. So, uh, all right, guys, that's going to do it for this particular episode. If you're enjoying the uh, podcast and want to write into the podcast, you can write into uh, to us at critics, not cynics at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on social media at um, critics and cynics on Twitter and critics, not cynics on Facebook. Uh, you can follow the podcast on any podcasting service, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, um, Audible, uh, Amazon Music, uh, Apple iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you're enjoying it, why don't you leave us a rate and review? Helps get us out there in the algorithm and makes more people discover the show. So, all right, guys. Well, we will see you really soon, but you'll see us a little bit later. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>